It's always about the presence. If you go to church and you don't engage the presence of the Father, you need to be asking, Lord, what's wrong with me? If you go to church countlessly, time and time again, and you don't know the presence of God, you need to be saying, Lord, am I saved? I don't care if you've been baptized 52 times in every Baptist church up to holler. You better ask the Lord Jesus Christ what's wrong because, you see, he does manifest his presence and move among his people. And in 2006, I've shared with this congregation, our church in East Tennessee, we went through a revival that, that we met every day for 40 days. It was not planned. We planned a three-day meeting, but we met every day for 40 days. And in one of those days, I can remember, we sang that song, I can only imagine at the end of the service, if we want to call it the end, because the service has lasted three and four hours. And I can remember as that song was being sung, there was people stretched out from one side to the other side of the altar, just seeking God, praying, exalting the Savior. And the preacher at that time, his name was Mark also, he just stood up, moved by the Father, moved by the Spirit of God, and he just did this little spinning around pirouette thing. And I can remember my mother saying later on, Brother Mark did the sweetest little, is it a pirouette? And I thought, Brother Mark don't normally act that way, Mom. You see, 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 when the presence of God comes, we don't worry about what they're going to think about me. And see, that's what our issue is now. Well, what are they going to think about me? And, and when God starts moving and starts stirring inside your heart, you know, you, you put aside all of that and, and you exalt him as your master, as your savior, as your Lord, as your king. And you, and you worship him. Remember when David came into the capital there that day in Jerusalem and he was dancing before the people and his wife, Michael, she criticized him. She was barren the rest of her existence. You understand that? Watch what you say, guys. Do you want barrenness to come upon your life? Because, see, Michael was raised with a father named Saul who was filled with pride. And she wanted David to act in that same capacity. How do you raise a family of faith? I mean, Char and I, we've talked and we've been married 35 years. We've got two wonderful children. I don't have a clue how old they are because every time I say it, I get the wrong She's 27 and 25, 28 and 25 years of age, all right? My daughter's older than my son. And uh, we, we talked and we said it a long time ago, if we go and we work and we serve and we build a great big church, but our kids have no heart for God, we fail. We can be successful on a lot of stuff, but, but if we raise our children that do not have a desire for the Lordship of Jesus Christ, there's an issue there. And, and I know I can't make them do that, but you see, there's some things that we have to be about. How do we pass on faith to our children? I mean, between Mother's Day and Father's Day, these are the things we look at. How is it that we instruct our kids, we teach our kids, we train our kids, we show our kids what does it mean to be a man of God, a woman of God? What does it mean to live by faith and not by sight? It's got to be more than just that profession you made at an altar one time, right? It's not just to show up for church on a given Sunday to be nice. Living by faith should dictate control your entire life. How do you live by faith and how do you build a family of faith? Because if we don't do that, 
You see, the greatest thing we leave to the next generation are kids, our boys and girls who know how to discern the will of God and walk therein. I didn't say raise kids that have a denominational preference. I say we raise children that know the Lord Jesus Christ and they can discern the will of God and they live impacting their generation for the kingdom of God. Do you think we need that in America? Do you not think the next generation needs a valid testimony of faith, a valid lifestyle live before them, an example of what it means to live under the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Yes! And your responsibility is the same as mine. How do we raise a, a household of faith? Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7. And then open your Bible on over to Genesis chapter 6. But Hebrews 11 and verse 7 says this. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and it, became, and it became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Second Chronicles 5, 7 says, we walk by faith, not by sight. Romans chapter 6 says, that which is not of faith is sin. And so you and I as parents, you and I as grandparents, you and I as men and women, we have a responsibility to pass on, to model to our families, to our friends, to our children especially, what does it mean to live by faith? And Noah modeled what it was to live by faith. And to see, the number one desire that you should have was to be raised children that will give their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and be faithful to Him in their entire life. And I'm not saying they're going to be perfect kids. There's none perfect. There's no perfect kids. You weren't a perfect kid. I know I'm shocking you, but I wasn't a perfect kid. I'm not a perfect man. My mother, I've told you, said if Mark was first, he'd have had no brothers. I'm the youngest of three boys, all right? But you teach a child, you prepare what you can to show your children what does it mean to live. It's not living by a Christian preference, a denominational preference. What does it mean to live by faith? And faith should be the driving force, should be that move in our life where we desire God. How do you live by faith? And listen to me, parents, listen to me. If Jesus Christ is not supreme in your life, Don't expect him to be supreme in your kid's life. If Jesus Christ is not the foremost preeminent thing in your life, don't expect your kids to to, to embrace Christ and to live in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It will not happen. Because what we do in lenience in our lives, our children will do in excesses. And so what we say is important, our kids look at and say, Oh, this is more important than church. Sunday school, reading my Bible, giving a tithe of obedience to the Lord Jesus. See, see, you've got to understand, if your life as a parent, as a man and woman of God, does not show the primary lordship of Jesus Christ, don't expect your kids to get it. And see, that's where we've blown it. We have this idea that in America we have all these rights and we have all this freedom. We can just pick and choose what we want to do and our kids are going to be okay. No, they're not. We've got a responsibility. And our responsibility is to show forth to our family, our friends, everybody, what does it mean to live by faith? And you will not, you cannot live by faith if you are not making adjustments of your life to Scripture, to God. See, see, if you're not adjusting yourself to the Word of God, how do you live by the Word of God? 
And if you're not in the Word of God, how do you know the Word of God? I started when I was 18 years old reading the Bible from cover to cover every year. That's a simple pattern that you've got to fall into whereby you can get the Word of God in you. Because until you get the Word of God in you, it's not going to impact you. And so you've got to start reading Scripture, taking Scripture in so that you can understand what thus saith the Lord says. But you as a child of God, you are to live by faith. And in the doing so, you can help prevent your children possibly from facing spiritual disaster. Is that important to you? Or is it more important to be a star little league player? I mean, let's just get honest, guys. What's important to us? I mean, our daughter, she played softball when she was whatever age she was. (laughs) That's been a while ago. And we thought, man, she's good. And then Maryville showed up. And I thought, honey, you ain't going to no ball scholarship to school because all them kids from Maryville, they, they've got personal coaches since they were four. All right? See, so see, what's important? And if your kid living to the glory of God is important, you better be living to the glory of God. And it better be showing forth in how you have to adjust yourself, your time, everything about you to what Scripture says. Now look at Genesis chapter 6 because we saw that Noah, he, he built a household of faith according to Hebrews chapter 11. And he built it and he, he, he did not bring salvation to them, but he did the preparatory work for them so that they could come to that faith. Look at Genesis chapter 6, look at it, verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Do you think this could be written about 2019? You think we're getting better? And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy men who have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping things and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah, look at that, but Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Everybody who wants to talk of the Old Testament that God's not a God of grace. That's the first thing we find here is a God of grace in the Old Testament. But Noah, this man, he he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man, a perfect man in his generation. And Noah walked with God. Three things that are very important there. You understand that that, that you'd be a just man. You are just and you are right with God. You are perfect. Not only you are sinlessly perfect, but you are complete. And that you walk with God day in day. And Noah begat his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jephthah. And the earth was also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and thou shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. That word pitch translates in the New Testament word atonement. Guys, there's something about that because it's the atoning death of Jesus Christ where he had died on the cross and his blood was shed. And it gave us seal and it gave us security. He atoned for our sin. And this is the fashion with which you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. It's about 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and I can't remember how tall it is. But it's a pretty big boat, right? 
And the window thou shalt make to the ark, and a cubic shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower and second and third stories thou shalt make. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant. And thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing, all flesh, two of every sort, shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female, of fowls after their kind, of cattle after their kind, every creeping thing of the earth after his kind. Two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. And take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. So what's the difference in Noah's day and today? In Noah's day, there was immorality. In Noah's day, there was violence. In Noah's day, there was hatred. In Noah's day, there was corruption. Is there any difference between Noah's day and today? No. It has probably gotten worse than it was in Noah's day. But, but, but you've got to understand, the situation is just the same. When Noah was raising his kids, do you think he was concerned about the influence that the neighborhood kids are going to have on his kids? Yes. Do you think he was concerned about, about the situation of corruption that was going on in the world that he lived in and how it was going to impact his family? Yes. And so what was Noah doing? Noah, he was walking with God. Noah was seeking the face of God. Noah was listening to God speak. And Noah was adjusting his life to the the father and when that process came to completion God spoke to Noah and he said Noah build an ark and he's telling you the same thing he told me and Shar the same thing he said you build an ark and what you do as you build the ark you are preparing for the salvation of your children but if you don't obey God and do what God says you are preparing for the destruction of your kids do you see that So he says, you are to build an ark. You are to create, you are to prepare an atmosphere whereby your children can understand who the Lord Jesus Christ is. You are to create, prepare an atmosphere whereby your children see in you a relationship that you have with Holy God that impacts you. Not merely just words that you say as you go do something else, but I'm saying a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that impacts you for now and for all eternity. You build that that climate, that atmosphere atmosphere, the environment, you prepare it. See, see, Noah's life was characterized by four things when he walked by faith. And if you and I are going to build a household, a family of faith, our lives are going to be characterized by these same four things. And the first thing that Noah's life was characterized by, it it says there in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9, and these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation, and Noah walked with God. You've got to learn to walk with God. And a walk is a daily walk. A lifestyle walk. And you see, that's where Noah did. Noah lived out his relationship with God in his lifestyle. What does your lifestyle show forth? What does your lifestyle show forth among the people you live around and the people you work with? Does it show you forth as being one who seeks to be blameless? Does it show you forth as one who seeks righteousness? Does your faith affect how you live? 
Because, see, Noah's faith greatly affected how he lived. See, and if your faith does not affect how you live, you're missing something. First John 1, 6 says, If we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. And there's nothing more detrimental to your kids and your kids coming to faith in Jesus Christ than you saying one thing with your mouth, but your lifestyle living something else. Guys, we're not seeking fire insurance. Have you lived long enough to realize that yet? Here's what I find. Many people, they don't want Billy, Bobby, or Susan to go to hell because they don't want them to go to hell. But it has nothing to do with meeting Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. It has nothing to do with having their sins forgiven and they're being washed. It has nothing to do with Him transforming them into new creatures of righteousness and holiness. Their whole motivation is, oh, I don't want them to hurt. But your motivation should be, I want them to meet Jesus and I want them to be changed. And I want them to live with purpose for all eternity. See, 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 I don't want people to go to hell, but that's not my primary motive. My motive is I want to meet Jesus. And he changes them into, into his image. It's not just fire insurance, guys. We're talking about a radical encounter with the living Lord whereby he changes our life. John 14, 21 says, He who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to know him. Noah had a lifestyle of faith. It impacted his children. And secondly, Noah listened to God. Look what it says in verse 13. And God said unto Noah. Look what it says in verse 22. And thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. God was speaking and Noah was listening. Do you listen to God? Well, preacher, when I'm in church and he slaps me and makes me feel about this big... Yeah, I listen to that. I'm talking day in, day out. On Monday morning when you get out of bed, are you listening for the Father to speak to you? Are you listening for that quickening of your spirit whereby you know this is not what you should be doing or you know this is what you should be doing? Are you listening to God? Because as a child of God, when you have been truly born again, you hear His voice and you hear Him speaking. Does He speak audibly? Yes, but not always. And that's not the normal way he speaks, but I do believe he can speak audibly. You put him in a box and tell him he can't do that. Right? See, most people say he doesn't do that because they've never experienced it. Listen to me. God speaks through his word. And you've got to have this word and you've got to be taking this word in. God speaks through his, his prophets, through preachers, through teachers. But the clearest way to hear God speak is through the word of God, the Bible. And when he speaks, we adjust ourselves to what Scripture says. Noah heard God. When was the last time you heard God speak to you? And how did you respond? Because, guys, if you didn't respond, here's what happens. Your heart gets calloused, and you get indifferent, and you get to where you can't hear. Noah listened. Noah's lifestyle. Noah loved God. Why? Because Noah obeyed God. You know, when our kids were little, I've heard say, you know, oh, you need to do this because you love mommy. Well, see, obedience is the way you show love. It's not just by coming up and giving us a hug and a big slobbery kiss. So those are fun with kids. But the way you show love is obedience. That's what it says in John chapter 14, verse 21. It says, you love me, you obey me. 
So taking that into consideration, how's your love life with Christ? Because if there's not an active obedience in your life, then you're saying, well, I really don't love him that much. Well, well, preacher, you're getting ready to make me mad because you're talking and I don't love Jesus. Do you obey him? I'm just telling you what he said in John 14, 21. There's got to be obedience flowing from your life. And when Noah's family looked at Noah's life, they saw a man that loved God because God spoke to him. He listened. His lifestyle showed it forth, but he obeyed what God says. Have you ever thought about how ridiculous what God told Noah to do? Build a boat. It's the desert, God. We don't need a boat. It's going to rain, Noah. Rain. What's that? You understand it's never rained up until now. There was a, there was a dew that came over the earth, but they had never saw water dropping from the sky. They didn't live in western Kentucky, did they? See, 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 it's going to rain. See, it's ridiculous. But see, see, he, he walked with God. He worked for God. Do you realize how costly it was for Noah to obey God? You say, preacher, you mean there's a cost to walking for Jesus? Yes. See, this idea that everybody says, oh, it's all grace and free and you ain't got to do nothing. You better check it again. Salvation's free through grace. But once you receive that, to walk by faith, it is a costly thing because God tells you stuff that, that inconveniences you. And if he's never told you something that inconveniences you, then you better go back and check what you got. Because you know what Jesus said? He said, tell him the way up is down, the way in is out. If you want to be great, be a servant. Everything that we think is one way, God says, no, it's the opposite. And God said, Noah, build a boat. A boat. It's going to rain, Noah. Rain. It's going to be a deluge. There's going to be a flood. And those who are in the ark are going to be safe. But if they're not in the ark, they're not going to make it. It was 450 feet by 75 feet and 45 feet tall and there was no lows I mean what do we do guys I need a, I need a shelf I gotta go cut down the tree honey and I get the axe out and then I gotta try to get this thing flat we gotta plane it do you see what I'm saying no wonder it took so long 120 years right it's not lows down the road so, 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 so what do you think is, Dad, what are we doing? We're building a boat. Why are we building a boat? It's going to rain. What's, see, he's got to tell this to his kids. That's called communication. Isn't that a novel word? Talking. Talking. Dads, moms, have you told your kids why you live how you live? Have you told your kids how you came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you told your kids what it was to be under the convicting power of the Holy Spirit whereby you understood lostness and I was a sinner and I was separated from God and I didn't think I could stand it? Do you understand that? Because you see, you've got to talk to your kids and tell them what God's doing. 
We're building a boat. And tomorrow you need to go down and cut down a whole bunch of trees. And we'll limb them and we'll start the process. Now, at first, everybody just thought he's making firewood. Right? But all of a sudden, they start seeing him laying out this 450-foot-long boat. And it starts taking shape, the frame. And the neighbors come by and say, Noah, what are you doing? I'm building a boat. A boat? We're in the desert. It's going to rain. What's rain? It's these droplets like dew, but there's going to come down and there's going to be a flood and God is sending judgment. No, you're crazy. That ain't going to happen. I mean, I mean, sure, we don't live perfectly, but, but we're not that bad. Doesn't that sound like today? I don't hurt nobody. It really doesn't matter. It's my personal choice. And so Noah, he's, he's building an ark. He's working for the glory of God. He's got his kids involved. Why? Because he spoke to them. And neighbors start asking him, what's taking place? What's going on? And, and, and he does this for 10 years. 20 years. How long is he doing this? 120. Am I 120? Didn't think so. Your entire life. You're building a boat and nobody understands. And sometimes they, your, your parents, your relatives, your friends, your coworkers, they're not going to understand why you are living like you're living. And you say, it's Jesus Christ. He's coming back to receive his bride, a bride that's pure and spotless. And I live for his glory. But, 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 but that, you're just a fanatic. No, I'm living for the glory of God. What are you living for? For my kingdom. But you can't because judgment's coming. See, he warned them. He told them, you can't do what you're doing. Did they listen to him? No. Did it stop him? No. But don't you think he sure was glad he obeyed when that first raindrop caught him probably square on the forehead. And he said, it's here. And what do you think those people thought? What is this stuff? Man, it's, it's, it's right. And all of a sudden that little wife, he says, Noah warned us about this, honey. And you didn't do anything about it. Noah warned us about it. Honey, you didn't do anything about it. It's all right, honey. I got this under control. Y'all have never heard that, have you? Shark called me the other day. Where's my passport? She can't get a Kentucky driver's license because her social security card does not match her driver's license in Tennessee. There is a law, supposedly, in Kentucky, Tennessee that you cannot drop your first name. So security department let her drop her first name, and so anyway. I said, it's in the gun safe. No, it's not. Well, that was a miracle, because she can't ever open that gun safe. Where is it? I said, it's in the gun safe. Well, you should have let me help you pack. So I get home. And I pulled out two or three boxes, not in there. 
I'm going all through that house. And you know what she's doing? She's sitting on the couch. <laughs> she ain't helping me hunt. She's just sitting there. She's worried about it. I said, you weren't worried about it yesterday. She said, have you prayed about it? I said, no, I'm in no attitude to pray right now. <laughs> you do understand there's a relationship <laughs> between being completely frustrated and praying and being walking in the spirit and praying. <laughs> I didn't have that ladder one yet. All right, all right. So I go down to my office and I clean out four boxes. Nope, not there. That did help. Go back upstairs. I thought, I thought, I am a competent man most of the time. It's got to be in that safe. There it was. In the safe. That she accused me that it was not there. Well, you put it in these envelopes. Which well, never been in envelopes. Where'd that rain come from? Noah told us about this. Yeah, but Noah said it's going to be a deluge, and, and we're, it, it, but it's just it's just some water. Two days later, you better go talk to Noah because it's coming up to the door. What will the neighbors think if I go talk to that crazy man? Right? I believe we're going to be all right, honey. What are we going to do? Your kids, what's your life? And if all you ever do is make adjustments for what you want and the things of the world, and you never adjust your life to the Word of God, to the church, the people of God, your faith really does not impact them in a positive way. Because they've got to see you sold out to the Lordship of Christ. Because if they don't see you sold out to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, they don't have time for it. Do you think we live in a busy world? A busy society? Yes. And it gets worse with every generation, does it not? I don't see how we can get any busier. But somehow they're going to come up with some new gadget where we will. But, but see, we've got so much to do and so many things. And, but your kids, they want to see it real in you. Now listen to me. I'm not trying to be hard. I had a preacher in our church in East Tennessee two years ago. He's from Berea, Kentucky, preacher revival. And he said during his sermon, and he, he's a for, former missionary to Sri Lanka. And he's been pastoring down in Berea for the last 10 years. He said, I had a man come and say, my kids, they've walked away from church. They've walked away from God. They, they have no use for any of this. And this is what this pastor said to that man. He said, well, what did you teach him? You taught him to pursue everything but Jesus. Is this accurate of our society? This is important because Tommy wants to do this and we've got to give Tommy what he wants. And so they go do this, they go do that, they go do that. And so when they get to college and out, they have no need for the church. And we say... What did I do? You taught him how to chase an idol. Now he told the man that face to face. He said, you built an idol in their hearts. How many of y'all know when they're little, they're easy to control? You can make them go to church. 
You can get them there. But by the time they get junior high, high school, do you realize it gets more challenging? And, and I want to go with, with my friend. I don't know what your friend's church teaches. Because they don't all teach the same stuff. Some of us stand on the word of God and we call sin, sin, hell, hot, heaven, sweet. And some say, everybody's going to be okay. So what's more appealing to a lost man? Everybody's going to be okay. And in the end, they find out judgment. The ark shut. So how do you pass on your faith to your kids? It's got to be real in you. If it's not real in you, you're passing on a religious preference. It's got to be real, whereby your kids see that. And, and see, see, Noah would witness, it says in, in, in First Peter, Second Peter 2, 5, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. He was a preacher of righteousness. How did he preach? Every time he took that hammer and nailed that nail into that boat, he was preaching a message, judgment's coming. Every time he went out there and got a tree and he cut it, and he planed it and he brought it. He was preaching a message. Judgment is coming. Do you think judgment is coming? Do you? You think we're close? How bad can it get? It can get pretty bad. It's coming. And what we're to be doing is God has blessed us to have a childhood. Or two or twenty. We are to be impacting them by preparing an atmosphere. Whereby they will see Christ in us. That he is my Lord. He is my master. He is my savior. That's it. I can't save my kids. You can't save your kids. I can manipulate them into saying a prayer. And it don't take much, does it? No. Because as they're children and younger, they want to please you. Now, something happens about junior high, right? And the peers are who they want to please. But you prepare. And so Noah prepared. Noah, he took the initiative. So let me ask you. Have you told your kids how you came to faith in Jesus Christ? Real simple question. Do they know your testimony? I'm just not real comfortable with that. Man, what your kids are wanting to see is you be honest. What they want to see is you... Get clean with them. And you can tell them, I've blown it. I have not been perfect. But let me tell you, here's how I met Jesus. And from this day forward, I'm going to live for his glory. They got to see it in you. That's it. If you want to be religious, that's going to be simple. But that does not save They've got to meet Jesus in a real way. 
And when they meet Christ in a real way, it's amazing how he can transform you. Do you remember before you got saved those things you wanted to do and you liked to do now when you got saved you don't want to do? I'm not saying your flesh doesn't jump in that area sometimes. But see, see, God changed you and that new man came inside of you. The Holy Spirit of God took up residence inside your life and he gave me a different want to. How about you? And now, now as a child of God, even if you do partake of those things, you don't have the same fun that you once had. Why? Because that Holy Ghost inside you disturbs your spirit because this is not right. This is not where you're supposed to be. You can't even have that same fun. And so what happens now is if you still ignore God, you just become old and bitter and crusty. And I'll bless you, kids. So do you want to build a family of faith? Then you have to live by faith. You have to say, Lord, I'm going to be involved in what you want me to be involved in. I'm going to be doing your work. Now, look over in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, 37. Here's another story of Noah in the New Testament. And this is a story that relates to the end of time. But as of the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the day of Noah, they were, that for as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so, also, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Here's what the days of Noah looked like. I'm eating, I'm drinking, I'm going to a wedding, I'm having a wedding, I'm doing business as usual. Isn't that what life is like right now? We're busy with the things of life. And then there's a point where it's too late because the flood came. The flood came. There's a point when the trumpet's going to sound. And it's too late. So if you want to have a family of faith, prepare that. Prepare for it. Father, we bow before you this morning.